Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time for the latest buzz on pets from around the corner, down the block, and across the world with award-winning journalist, author, speaker, educator, and host, Arden Moore. Arden has twice been named by Oprah Winfrey as one of her top three pet hosts. The New York Times has named Arden one of their top ten hosts. And just this year, the Dog Writers Association of America has given this show, Four-Legged Life, its top radio award. Arden is driven to live her motto, Bringing out the best in pets and their people. So snuggle up with your favorite fur baby, because it's time for another episode of Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life. And we'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Tevra Pet, for a happier and healthier pet. Online at tevrapet.com. And also our good friend Janice at Save My Pet ID Tag. Your pets are never alone when you own Save My Pet ID Tag. Online at savemypetidtag.com. What's up, pet pals? Welcome to Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life Show. Yep, it's me, Arden Moore. Hey, we're going to go to the dogs on this special episode, specifically. And translation, we're going to focus on two rising canine issues, dog aggression and dogs dealing with separation anxiety. Our special guest today is a nationally renowned professional dog trainer, And he heads up the, I want to get it right, USA Dog Behavior. That's his company. And he's going to unleash some tips on dealing with these two issues. So please, at this time, give pause and applause to the remarkable Scott Schaefer. Welcome to the show, Scott. Thank you, Arden. It's such a pleasure and so much fun to be here with you today. Well, we're going to dive into these two topics. I mean, aggression and anxiety. Two double A's that we don't want in our dogs. And uh, we're going to talk about some of the reasons why they're rising in these situations with our dogs. But people got to know you. So I'm going to have a little fun with you. Scott Schaefer's name is spelled S-H-E-A-F-F-E-R. He's in Dallas. You know, I'm going to ask you this. Isn't there another Scotty Schaefer in Dallas that swings a golf club? Yes, I've heard. (laughs) I've heard. So Scotty Scheffler is number one, or he's number two sometimes in the PGA. But ladies and gents, we have the number one dog trainer here. He is more than on par with this golfer. What do you think? I love that. That is so good. You're so talented, Ed Puns. So this is a biggie. I mean, pandemic pups, you name whatever it is. We've climbed out of this pandemic. Many people during the pandemic adopted dogs. They were stuck at home. These dogs never, ever changed the remote. They let us binge watch. And then many people went back to work. So I know you're getting a lot of these kinds of dogs that need help. And I want to ask you, 
what happened with COVID to our beautiful dogs in these two issues? Yeah, and and I just call them my COVID dogs. Okay. And what I saw were several things happened at once. One of them was a lot of what I call FTDs, first-time dog owners, went out and got dogs. And God bless them because I was a I was a, an FTD, as you were at one time, Martin. Everybody yeah. was an FTD at one time. And these are people that weren't really very experienced in some of the basics, some of the things that most people assume that everyone knows about dogs. Well, that was their first dog, so they didn't know. Right. So they, they, they got them, and they stuck them at home, and they didn't let them out at all. And, of course, they would get puppies a lot of times. And you know that first 16 weeks is hypercritical for that socialization. <laughs> It always is. The, and potty the habits, potty habits too, please. All, all that stuff. Yeah. 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 So they just didn't do that. And so we had dogs that were just fearful of everything because they just were never exposed to it. These were not bad dogs. It's kind of a theme I like to say. They were just fearful dogs. So they were fearful of humans. They were fearful of dogs. And I like to always say they were feel fearful of unfamiliar humans to them and unfamiliar dogs to them. Which is really a confusing thing a lot of times oh, for dogs, yeah. as you know. Right. So from that arc, you also, though, have had some dogs that have stepped up their growls, aggression. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And fearful aggression. Yeah, and that's kind of what I'm talking about here is fear is what's driving this. Because let's think of the basics here. When a dog is fearful, it doesn't want to interact with these unfamiliar to them, humans and dogs. And what does it do to keep them away? It can growl and bark and even bite. Now, most dogs do this to keep that safety margin there. Some will try to run away, but the vast majority of dogs use that offensive defense kind of aggression. And and the sad thing, and this is such so perplexing on the treatment, is that behavior is reinforced. Because I don't know about you, but if I'm putting my hand toward a Rottweiler that's 120-pound dogs or, or a 120-pound dog or even a Chihuahua, and it gets all snarly on me, I'm probably going to stop. And the dog looks at that and says, oh, okay, well, that's working. I feel better. I'm going to keep doing that. It's reinforced. The technical term is negative reinforcement, but it's saying the pain is stopped. I feel better. <laughs> well, well, I want to dive in a little more, but I want people to know a little bit about you, too, because how long sure. have you been doing this? and were you destined as a child to be tuning pianos or making pasta? Or how did you get to the world of dog training? And you got a lot of Vanna White initials after your name, folks. He is certified by the Council for Professional Dog Trainers, the International Association of Animal Behavior Consultants, member of the Association of Professional Dog Trainers, Fear Free. There's a lot of letters in that alphabet soup behind your name. Yeah, well, well thank you. Um, I started, it's really funny, it's a quick 30-second bio here in the dog business. I started as a sinophobic child, and sinophobia is fear of dogs, the irrational fear of dogs. When I was five years old, oh, I no. say, yeah, I know, it's true. I like to say to people, when I would see a dog, I would just pray to God that it would just go the other direction. I was really scared, and I conquered that, I must say. I, I say so. I that. Yeah. And so I've been messing with dogs all my life. I just have always been drawn to dogs. I, they never get old to me. And I've been doing dog training. And then about 13 years ago, around 2010, we, uh, my wife and I, by the way, Barbara, who's just 
fantastic in the business. She she is just as equal a part as I am in, in dealing with clients and doing everything. We decided in 2010 to do just behavior cases. And behavior cases, okay. what we're saying is dogs that are six months and older, fear, anxiety, aggression, and phobias is right. all we deal in now. And and sadly, Arden, sadly, no shortage. No shortage. You know, I this is a time where, yeah, this is a time when someone says, oh, business is booming. And you're like, yeah. It's, not, it's booming, but it's not good. I would love to be out of business because I love dogs. And you do, you've mentioned a shout out to your talented wife. Um, there's a couple of four-leggers that are within earshot. You better say hi to. I better say, I got Charlie, a, a rescue, great Pyrenees. I've had him for... Gosh, about eight years. And then I have Charlie, who is a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. Do you want so, to say, you said you said Charlie as the Great Pyrenees. You want to go oh, I'm back? I'm sorry, Luke. I'm sorry. Aren't you glad I have good ears? So You do. I'm sorry. Luke what? is my Great Pyrenees, rescue Great Pyrenees. And then I have Charlie, the Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. A.K.A. the love sponge, right? They are. I mean, it's, it's whenever I'm feeling bad, he's going to be there for me. But I'll tell you what, Great Pyrenees, if you know about them, are, they're kind of have cat personalities they're not the most loving dog in the world they're kind of a little bit distant sometimes <laughs> but i'll tell you what every time i move from room to room or whenever i need him to be there there he is he he loves me he's both my dogs do i just love them and i have a dog like cat named pet safety cat casey so he does more tricks than most dogs i think is our fate in life right um, and that cat is famous <laughs> Hey, everybody, we're speaking with a renowned dog trainer. His name is Scott Schaefer, usadogbehavior.com. He has many ways to help you. He's based in the Dallas area, but he's got a podcast. He's got some good articles. He's got some good videos. We're going to dive in. After this break, we're going to talk about dog aggression. So appropriately, sit, stay. We'll be right back. Looking for the perfect treats for your pet stocking stuffer? Check out the chews and treats at TevraPet.com. Happy tales to you from everyone at Tevra Pet. This is Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life, and because you wanted it, we've created a new Four-Legged Life monthly digital newsletter. And in addition to fun stories, health and safety tips, and of course, lots of cute pet pics, we'll be having monthly contests and possum prizes exclusive to newsletter subscribers. So grab your fur baby and get over to fourleggedlife.com and get yourself subscribed today for the new Four-Legged Life monthly digital newsletter. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Four-Legged Life Show. I'm your host, Arden Moore. We're speaking with uh, dog trainer Scott Schaefer. He's like a top dog in this field. As I promised all of you, we're going to talk about two big issues, aggression, and then later in the show, separation anxiety. 
So first of all, I want to get into the power of the bite. Any dog can bite anyone at any time. Is it kind of a last resort for a dog that feels like they've run out of options? Oh, Arnett is such a, a good question. And honestly, the challenge for me right now is to encapsulate that into a few minutes here because we could talk for a long, <laughs> long time about that. So a couple, I'm just going to hit some bullet points here, okay? First of all, dogs don't want to bite. 99 point, and this is not hyperbole, 99.99999% of dog bites to humans are what we call inhibited bites, meaning they're not going all the way because dogs can really hurt you if they really want to bite you, to hurt you like a prey animal. They're not doing that. They're just saying, get away. It would be like if someone got too close to you and you said, and you just gave him a gentle like, hey, can you move yeah. back? That's what they're doing. It's an inhibited bite. And, and so we have to remember that. And it usually is a last resort. You know, this the sequence of bark ground bite. And these are dogs telling us, and I know this is pretty much common knowledge, but we tend to forget it, is when a dog is barking or growling at you, they're doing you a favor. They're saying, I am not comfortable in this moment. <laughs> it doesn't have to make sense to you. Key point there. It doesn't have to make sense to you, the human. It's just that I am uncomfortable and I'm trying to communicate that. And in almost every single instance, are if people would just stop their approach or stop handling a dog or whatever they're doing, the dog would go, I'm good. So do's and don'ts. We're both fear-free certified, which is all about reducing fear, anxiety, and stress, started by Dr. Marty Becker. But I teach kids, you know, the ABCs, the doggy ABCs, ask permission, be sniffed, carefully stroke the back. They're giving us some verbal cues, but they also can give us some nonverbal cues that say back off. And can you address a few? Yes. A body language in dogs so fascinates me. In fact, I have a almost hour-long body, body language video on my website. It's free because I just really want people to get educated on this. And that's from a half-day seminar that I do on it. But what I've learned is a couple of things. One, Dogs are screaming at us. Dogs are <laughs> screaming information to us if we pay attention. Are we good at reading this body language? Kind of, but we have a long way to go. Yeah, but we see the big things. We see the big things. The other thing I want to mention, and then I'll answer your question. The other thing I'll mention is that did you know that dog body language really mirrors human body language a lot more than people ever realize? Wow. So much more than people realize. For example, a pilo erection. So a pilo erection is what a dog does when it gets a little nervous. This hackles or rabies on its back. Okay. Oh, my gosh. I thought you were thinking of another P word. Okay, keep I going. I know. I know. I'm getting nervous with <laughs> you on that one. And, but, and we also say the hair in the back of my neck came up. So there's so many of those that are like that. But the obvious ones you want to be careful with are things like the first thing that a dog will do when it's starting to not feel comfortable is what? Close its mouth. Watch your dog. When a dog is sitting there panting, its mouth is open, it'll close its mouth. Just like a human, by the way. Humans yep. do the same thing. Okay. The next thing it might start doing, what these are common things to watch out for, is lip licking. Mm -hmm. Now, not a competitive lick, which means food-oriented, but for right. no reason, the dog starts licking its lips. And Well, I have to tell you, I've been stung on that a few times, or should I say, <laughs> because that's a reliable indicator. It doesn't look like it's anything. It looks like it's benign. It's not. Another thing that dogs do 
is, of course, the whale eyes, the big eyes. One that I really like to look at is the stiff body. Their body starts getting stiff. Ears get pinned. And thing, they just get quiet. Boy, I'm telling you, it almost makes sense. Is that the lull before the storm, the, it's right? It's scary, isn't it? It's scary, isn't it? Because, yeah. <laughs> because you and I know that when they are doing all those things, something bad is about ready to happen. So look for those things, respect those, and stop touching the dog or move away. It's almost guaranteed to stop that problem. So let's shift to dog-to-dog aggression. Because there's some mighty chihuahuas, and I have a part chihuahua, Emma, my Gemma. She's fine, but she's she's a big dog. She's four on the floor. And then there's some weenie Bernese Mountain Dog mix. So I don't think it's the size of the dog. It's the size of the fight in the dog, right? Right. Right. So talk about dog-to-dog aggression. Is that on the rise? Is it because these dogs haven't had a chance to be socialized? What are some of the reasons and then we're going to get into how to stop a dog fight without you landing in the hospital. Ah, okay, that's good. Yeah, so dog-to-dog aggression is the common cold of the dog behavior world. Wow, what a great phrase. Wait a minute, say that again. That's a sound bite. <laughs> Wait a minute, it's a sound bite. Yeah, there, yeah, so dog-to-dog aggression is the common cold of the dog behavior world. It really is. But let me say something. I say common cold, and it's it's a little more serious than the common cold. That that can be a really a big problem for a whole host of reasons. And it really is independent of breed size, as you mentioned, a breed and the size of the dog. It just doesn't seem to correlate. I have clients all the time that say, Well, why is my why is my great dame going ballistic when a little chihuahua goes by? And I like to say, you ever seen a grown man jump on a sofa when they see a mouse? Yeah, it, it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's in the eye of the beholder. It doesn't have to make sense to you. It makes sense to the dog. But this behavior is just a fear reaction. The dog is unfamiliar with a dog and is afraid of it. And he's using aggression to drive the thing away. And the crazy part about it is, as you walk by the on the street, oh, we could talk for so long about this. I love this, subject, by the way. Yeah. I don't love that it's happening, but I like talking about it. As we walk by on the street, the dog is really amplifying its aggression. But Arden, let me ask you this. When you walk by and the dog takes that, the aggressing dog takes that one look back and stops doing that behavior, what do you think he thinks? Well, that worked. Yep. I was going to go to Vegas and play poker because I just did a major bluff. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And it always works. And what do we call that? Reinforcement, which is why this particular behavior gets worse because it's working for the dog. So they start doing it sooner and harder and almost without exception, it just gets worse. And the way that we measure that, by the way, one of the ways is the distance called the threshold distance. Good. And Normally, because I see pretty severe cases, by the time clients get to me, you're going to think I'm making a joke. It's not funny because it's true. We don't measure it in in feet or across the street. We measure it in houses. How many houses away does your dog start to act, act aggressively? And in the more extreme cases, it's half of a city block. It's, wow. It's almost as soon as they see the dog, they light up. 
That's great advice. Hey, everybody, we're getting schooled in a good way by Scott Schaefer. He is a, an amazing professional dog trainer. I want you to check out his site, usadogbehavior.com after the show. We're going to look into dogs that have another main thing that starts with the letter A, and that's anxiety, separation anxiety, after we take this break. So sit, stay. We'll be right back. Have you had your chance to pick up either one of Arden Moore's new books, the Dog Behavior Answer Book or the Cat Behavior Answer Book? They make perfect gifts. They're online at Amazon.com and, of course, our website, fourleggedlife.com. Got dog? Got cat? One of the best ways to show your pet how much you love them is to take a pet first aid class. Arden Moore is a master certified pet first aid CPR instructor and founder of Pet First Aid for You. Very cool! These classes are fun and practical and feature pet safety dog Kona and cat Casey. No way. Yes, a real dog and cat teaching duo. Wait, Wait, what? All classes are veterinarian approved and are available in person or via Zoom. Ready to sign up for a class? Sorry, it's it's just for people. Arden Moore's Pet First Aid for You classes are proudly supported by Zinzi Pie's Save My Pet ID Tags. Pet parents who wear Zinzi Pie's Save My Pet ID Tags in bracelet, keychain, and pendant versions are assured that their beloved fur babies will continue to receive the loving care that they deserve, even if the pet parents are not able to provide it. Online at SaveMyPetIDTag.com. Welcome back to the Four-Legged Life Show. I'm your host, Arden Moore. Our special guest today is Scott Schaefer. Gosh, he's just, God, I'm going to sound really old. He's a walking encyclopedia of knowledge, but I think he's more of a Google guy. He's a Google guy with lots of information. And we've been talking a little bit about dog aggression, but there's a lot of listeners out there that have sweetie pies that they adopted, especially during COVID. and they have dogs that have the case of separation anxiety. In fact, I did some uh, homework and it is this disorder because it is a disorder impacts about 20% or one in five dogs. So this hyper attachment, it's like a physiological response. Can you kind of dive in about how would you define separation anxiety in dogs? Yeah, that's a really great, great question. And I think your numbers are pretty accurate there, 20%. And and in rescue dogs, even higher, even higher. Yeah. And especially rescue dogs that have been returned a few times. And you and I know, are and that's just apocalyptic when, when dogs have to be returned for lots of reasons for the dog. But one of the questions I get, it's a, a kind of a diagnostic thing. People come in and see me for their dog with separation anxiety. And a lot of times, and this is going back to FTDs, first-time dog owners that we talked about earlier, they misdiagnose it. They think, my dog is sad when I leave. My dog cries a little bit as I'm walking out the door. My dog doesn't want to go in its crate, but will, but doesn't like going crate when I'm leaving. And these are just things, these are just indicators. Your dog really loves you and doesn't want you to leave. Okay. And that's really all it is. And sometimes people will say, well, my dog follows me around all the time. We call that Velcro dogs. That's a common term. 
And one thing that, that we've learned in the business and I have observed is that's not a reliable indicator of separation anxiety. Dogs okay. can follow you around right on your heels all day long and be just fine when you leave. And then vice versa. You'll have dogs that don't do that at all. And in fact, you have separation anxiety. So let's talk about what separation anxiety actually looks like. What are some of the presenting? I appreciate that. Yes. So, so dogs will do any and all, any kind of combination of these things. What is it? One is they will, kind of the first thing I ask about is, first thing I ask is, where do you put your dog when you leave? Is it in a crate or free in the household? Okay, okay good. And typically, dogs with true separation anxiety do not like to be put in the crate. We call it secondary confinement. They they don't love it too much. So that would be, well, my dog is fine going in the crate when I'm home, but if I'm leaving, really puts up a fuss. The second thing in relation to crates that I ask is, is the dog damaging the crate? And a dog with moderate, greater, moderate to severe separation anxiety, the answer is pretty much always yes. And it is amazing the crates that these dogs can get out of. They pull the doors in. They become massively strong. They can the hurt their teeth the and their paws. Yes. Yeah. The wire in the crate is bent. And you're right. They quarter dig and they damage their paws. They will damage their nose. So these are all indicators of more of more really significant separation anxiety more than just I miss you. The other one, the first indicator that I really look for is, does the dog damage anything when you're going specifically your exit point? Like, where do you oh, leave? Okay. Yeah, like the back, the I, front door? Okay. Yeah, I, we leave the front door. We leave the back door. And it, is the carpeting messed up there? Is the door scratched, et cetera, et cetera? Yes, I've had to replace it three times. Okay, well, that's a good indicator. Because you have to understand that dogs don't understand our leaving. They don't know that you got in your car and drove 20 miles. They think you're just 10 feet on the other side of the door. So so that was the last place they saw you. So if I could just get through this door, everything would be fine. It's really sad when you think about it, but that's the truth. Another thing you see in separation anxiety, and I, I could go on and on. Tell me oh, you're stuff. doing great. And, and okay. I want to throw one in with the crate. Ponak came from um, the Rancho Coso Humane Society, shout out, in California, but that was her second shelter. She was about a year and a half old. She's my uh, 35-pound terrier mix that teaches pet first aid with me. She, her separation anxiety was she sweat through her paw pads so yes. much and drooled, wasn't urinating in the thing, in the carrier, and she could not, it's like that song, Don't Fence Me In, and went through a lot of training and all, but I cannot put Kona in a carrier because she will shut down. And that's that secondary confinement. And I love that you mentioned that. That's another thing I asked about the crate on a diagnostic thing. Is the front of the crate wet? So that would be stress drooling. And the other one is a lot of people don't know this. Just like humans, when dogs get nervous, they sweat on their paws. In fact, that's I sometimes I'll just grab a dog's paw and you can really get a feel for their anxiety level. And I bet you use that on your first aid, just hang on their paws and see what's happening there. But yeah, the other one is, do they defecate and urinate in the house? And and that doesn't look like house training defecation urination. That would be lots of little feces and lots lots of little urine markings. So they're they're just having trouble holding their bladder and and their well, is it is it also making them smell themselves? So it's like a like a security blanket. I mean, sometimes yeah. I've heard. I don't know. That's the question. Sometimes people get mad. But the pee, the poop smells like them, and it kind of, uh, until mom and dad get home. 
I don't know. I haven't really ever heard of that before, but dogs do some, as you know, self, self-soothing behaviors, compulsive right. behaviors like chasing tail, licking their paws, that kind of thing. Okay. I just like to talk about pee and poop. Sorry. Okay. I, okay. I noticed that. I noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> well, th- those would be some of the major signs that we look for if the dog has separation anxiety. So sometimes, how does that differ than boredom? Yes. And, and so tell us if there's any. Oh, absolutely great. Okay. And when you're diagnosing separation anxiety, you have to ask so many questions because there's so many nuanced things. Yes, boredom, and that's a lot of times, that's what it is too. The dog is just bored. One of the key ways you'll know is what I call the departure ritual. When a dog that really has moderate to severe separation anxiety, when the owner's dog gets their purse, their wallet, their shoes, their cane, their umbrella, whatever, whatever their normal leaving routine is, the dog has back chained that. The dog's not stupid. And the dog goes, okay, I know what this means. They're going to be leaving in a minute. Okay. And so I am really sad and stressed and anxious about this right now. And they start acting that way. A dog who is bored won't do those kinds of things. It's not, okay, it good. It's not that anticipatory anxiety kind of thing. Oh, that's a good phrase. Yeah. Okay. Let's tackle separation anxiety. Scott, what are some do's and don'ts? When a person is getting ready to leave, that could lower that anxiousness or unintentionally spike it. Great question. And I do have a couple of quick tips that I give okay. all dog owners. In fact, I do these two things with my two dogs, Charlie and Luke. Oh, Charlie! And <laughs> to prevent them from getting separation anxiety. I do it as a preventive type measure. Okay. And it certainly works if you have kind of mild separation is not real severe yet. Mm-hmm. I, I tell them to do a couple of things. One is when you leave, just leave. In fact, 20 minutes before you leave, withdraw all attention to your dog. And oh, then good. just slip out the door. Now, why is that? Because when you're there, they're getting all your attention. And when you walk out the door, it goes from 100% to what? 0%. That's falling off a cliff. So why don't we just 20 minutes before, let's just withdraw all of our attention. They're still seeing us. And we and that, so we just kind of slope it down. That helps a little bit. Okay. Okay. And and we're going to find out what the second tip is, because I know you guys want to know, but we got to take this break. So we're talking with Scott Schaefer, USA Dog Behavior, and we'll be right back. This is Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life, and because you wanted it, we've created a new Four-Legged Life monthly digital newsletter. And in addition to fun stories, health and safety tips, and of course, lots of cute pet pics, we'll be having monthly contests and possum prizes exclusive to newsletter subscribers. So grab your fur baby and get over to fourleggedlife.com and get yourself subscribed today for the new Four-Legged Life monthly digital newsletter. Have you heard? The Cat Behavior Alliance has called Arden Moore's new book, The Cat Behavior Answer Book, meowsing and relatable. The Cat Behavior Answer Book, available now online at Amazon and, of course, fourleggedlife.com. Welcome back to the Four-Legged Life Show. I'm your host, Arden Moore. We're talking to amazing dog trainer. His name is Scott Schaefer. We're talking about some ways to deal with separation anxiety. He talked about just no big deal. 
ignore the dog for about 20 minutes before you leave. What's another tip, Scott? And well, just to add on to that one a little bit more, just to finish the last half of that. And when you get home, ditto. When you get back, ditto. Don't go from zero to 100 because your dog is going, oh, my owner would just get home. My, I'd be, everything would be perfect. But just ease them into your re-entry. Don't make that so exciting for them. So right. don't throw a big parade party when you come yes. in. Yes. And when you don't, <laughs> and when you leave, don't go screaming to them and say, Mommy's going to be back. Don't be sad. Don't do that. That's really bad. The second tip I would give you, I would give dog owners who dog, his dog might have an issue with separation anxiety is to leave them something right before you leave. Now, I know I told you to ignore them. Right. But leave them a treat, throw some, so throw some kibble on the floor, let them forage for it, have a, you know, the old frozen Kong thing with peanut butter and, and cheese, that kind of thing. The last thing you do, you're, now you're ignoring them, but the last thing you do before you walk out the door is put that down. And what does that do? It gives them something to do. And two, is they start to kind of some simple classical conditioning that when mom leaves, when dad leaves, the party starts. Not so, so is bad. it? Is the dog saying, don't let the door hit you in the tail? Pretty much. Or the one I like to say, shouldn't you get going? Early traffic might be bad. Yeah, so that's <laughs> that's how you know you've done it well. Now, one of the key things is about that strategy, and this is a diagnostic tool also, is dogs that, that have moderate or greater separation anxiety, just they don't eat. Oh, They're good too point. stressed to eat. Yeah. So if your dog actually takes that treat, that's a good sign. Okay, we're we're not in probably too bad a shape. That's a, that's one of the more reliable indicators. But those are two quick tips. I like seven. that. And also, I always we always put on HGTV or dog TV when we leave because we know their ears are getting. I, I, a good friend, Becky LaBeach, shout out is the head of the dog TV. What's your take on something auditory for a dog when you're leaving? You are, you are really asking all the right questions because one thing we know about dogs with separation anxiety, again, I'm, I'm speaking more of the moderate to severe levels. We know they have noise phobia. They almost always have a noise phobia. So there, so we, we know about trigger stacking, right? right? Trigger stacking just says multiple things are making me nervous. So the owner is gone and they're already on it. Oh no, they're gone. What's going to happen to me? I wonder if they'll ever come back. And then they hear a noise outside the house, like a construction noise or something. And so that's an additive trigger. So now they're really nervous. Okay. So I highly recommend people do exactly what you're doing is put some music on in the background, the dog TV, whatever you want to use. And it does two things. It can be kind of soothing and it helps to cover some of these outside noises. noises I like it. Phobic. I mean, uh, yes. we do that before we go out to dinner and the dogs are on the couch, Kona and Emma, and we put on either dog TV or, or dog or HGTV, one of the many shows, because I don't want to put on one of my favorite show series because they will tell me the ending. Oh, yeah, there will be a spoiler. Yeah, there'll be a spoiler. Yeah, I don't want well, spoilers. No, no. I, I have a little interesting note here for you about okay. that strategy and other similar strategies. Okay. Here's the problem, and I'll, I'll tell you how to remedy it. If the only time your dog hears dog TV is when you leave. Oh, no, yeah. What's going to start to happen? They start to, they become conditioned to that. Oh, no, they're going to leave. So I am totally good with those kind of things. In fact, I encourage it as we just talked about. But you might want to play it during the day sometimes so they don't I think. do, I do. Okay, good, good for you. 
Yeah. Good girl. Good girl. Arden. Get a treat. Get a treat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk about sometimes they're getting help from you, but sometimes they 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 may have a medical issue or they. When do you know when you need some medication? There's different types of medication to deal with anxiety in people in dogs. And I know you probably work closely with veterinarians, but talk about, you know, there's some different help here, but it's all, you know, different uh, degrees, I guess. Yeah, with with separation anxiety, my rule of thumb, so it's rule of thumb, is for cases (laughs) that are moderate or greater, we almost always want to involve medication. Okay. So that would be an anti-anxiety medication, of which there are numerous ones. And and some I know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say them because I'm not a pharmacist and I don't play one on TV, but check with your veterinarian. But some are good for impending things like a thunderstorm or you know, whatever. And they're they're they hit for that acute time. And others are just mellowing the dog out over yes. time, right? Yes. So we're and not pharmacists, either one of us, but that's why I want to make sure that their medication is in different types of uh, formats. Yeah. And right, and typically for separation anxiety, we use the more chronic medication, the long-term medication. But then a lot of this will recommend, and I encourage a short-term, as needed, called PRN medication. That if the dog's going to have a really big problem, like wow, so there's a thunderstorm in addition to me leaving, kind of thing, you can use that too. So that's that's always a great thing. So we work with events on that. It is absolutely not going to fix separation anxiety if, if, if it's moderate or greater. It's just not going to. But studies have shown that it can impact it. You know, it depends on what study you look at, 30 to 40 percent. So that's pretty good. So so yeah. 60 to 70 percent is behavior modification, but 30 to 40 percent is a really nice adjunct. It's a really nice adjunct. But we have to really be careful that we monitor that medication and work with a vet. I, in fact, I'm doing a podcast that's coming out in a couple of weeks on this very subject. Work with your vet on these meds. The other thing. Well, and wait a minute. We, let's tell the name of your podcast. Oh, well, that's a good idea. <laughs> a, a shameless plug right here. Dog Aggression Answers. Available on all the popular players. Any parting advice you want to give to all our listeners, either about aggression, separation, anxiety. I, I just am very honored to have you on our show. You just have a ton of knowledge and I can feel your heart. You want to have a good connection with the people and their pets. And that's the fun part. If you don't love people and you don't love dogs, don't be in our business, correct? <laughs> good, answer, no. good answer. Yeah, yeah you have to. I actually have Really, just a couple quick things that I that I tell all my clients, and this, I think it's very applicable now. If your dog is is presenting with significant behavior issues, regardless of what they are, aggression, separation, anxiety, get help from a qualified individual. Qualified, the sooner the better. Don't let the cancer become metastasized before you work on it. Get there early because these behavior issues always get worse. The second thing I tell them are three things. Don't let anyone... Don't you or let anyone else use aversives on your dog ever. Uh, choke collars, prong collars, shock collars, don't do them. Short-term gain, long-term pain. I have never seen a behavior issue that where these kind of techniques 
are are aided by these things. They're always contraindicated. Don't use these them. These dogs are plotting to kill you when you're sleeping. Oh, yeah. It's not good or, or kill other people, whatever. Yeah. And the other one I like to, I'm going to get, I'm going to probably get emotional when I tell you this. I just want to stand on the roof and yell this when I say, you don't have a bad dog. You most likely have a fearful dog. Your dog isn't bad. He's he or she's afraid. And if you know that, because that's what it is, if you know that, it reframes your thinking and how Good you deal point. with the dog. Brilliant. Brilliant. Hey, everybody. I am glad that we've had uh, Scott Schaefer on our show today. Catch his podcast. I can't believe the time went so fast. I it did. I, I really have enjoyed having you on the show. So pause up to our special guest, professional dog trainer, Scott Schaefer. Big thanks to all the radio stations coast to coast that are airing our show. Really appreciate it. Hey, you pet pals, I unleash a big thank you for tuning in. And you can catch this on my YouTube channel, Art and More. Pretty easy. Thanks, Mom, for a weird first name. And fourleggedlife.com. And my pet first aid classes featuring pet safety dog Kona and pet safety cat Casey on pet first aid for you. So. Until next time, this is your host, Arden Moore, saying just two words to all you two, three, and four-leggers out there. Pause up! Thanks for listening to this episode of Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life. And we'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Tevra Pet, for a happier and healthier pet. Online at tevrapet.com. And also our good friend Janice at Save My Pet ID Tag. Your pets are never alone when you own Save My Pet ID Tag. Online at SaveMyPetIDTag.com. For more information about the host, to listen to past programs, and watch video versions of our guest interviews, our website is FourLeggedLife.com. And have a pawsome week. 